Hey, thank you for listening to the Real Perspectives podcast. If you like this episode, please follow us and tell one of your colleagues about the interview you're about to hear or have heard in the past. We hope you enjoy our conversations and that you'll listen to others in our library. If you have any thoughts, ideas, or suggestions, please reach out. We'll do our best to incorporate them. Thanks again. Hello, listeners. This is your host, Vladimir Bosanets. I'm happy to be back from our summer hiatus and restart our Real Perspectives podcast with renewed energy. We hope to bring you some of the most interesting and engaging leaders from the commercial real estate industry every week and help you understand the drivers that move the market and keep evolving it over the coming months. Before we start today's interview, I want to take a moment to introduce and welcome our new guest, Ted Jung. This conversation was recorded in early summer of 2022, when much of the interest rate and inflation challenges we face today were perhaps on the horizon or even beyond it. Ted is the Chief Credit Officer with Parkview Financial, which is headquartered in Los Angeles, and he lives and breeds lending across a broad spectrum of commercial real estate transactions. Ted's background has prepared him well for this position, and he brings to his role 17 years of institutional life insurance and banking experience in the commercial real estate lending industry on a national platform, where he has provided loan credit approvals in excess of $12 billion. He has extensive knowledge of underwriting and originating large loans for all major asset types with institutional sponsors across both primary and secondary markets throughout the United States. His experience across the capital stack includes senior per mortgages, mezzanine debt, construction loans, CTLs, and equity. Let's hear what he has to say about the state of the industry from his perspective. Welcome to the podcast, Ted. Ted, uh, good afternoon. How are you? Hey, good. How you doing, Vlad? Doing well, doing well. Uh, where do we find you today? Where, where are you? Uh, I'm at my home in uh, Palisades, uh, Pacific Palisades in uh in Los Angeles. Excellent, excellent. And we're uh, recording here a little bit out of schedule, actually on a weekend. So I appreciate you taking the time to uh, chat with us. Uh, uh, yeah. Tell us, you know, a little bit about yourself, a little bit about Parkview Financial, and sort of, you know, how you know you got to where you are there today. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing this for uh, oh gosh, uh, it's uh, been eighteen plus years now. I guess that makes myself a, a veteran. Uh, in the industry. And um, I moved out uh, to California in 2000 um, and then uh, went to grad school around 2004 to 2005 uh, out in uh, San Diego uh, for real estate. And, um, you know, basically moved my way up from, you know, like a junior analyst position um, all the way up to uh, where I am right now with uh, Parkview Financial as the chief credit officer. And so, it's been a you know a long road, um, and most of it's been spent on the uh, institution side, uh, okay. institutional side. So you know mostly like you know banks and um, uh, you know big uh, life insurance companies. Um, so much more kind of uh, permanent lending versus what we do at Parkview Financial, which is more geared towards uh, ground up construction financing. Yeah, and that was going to be my my next question. What what does Park Parkview Financial do, and sort of what are where are all its kind of you know, activities focused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We really focus on, you know, bridge and uh, ground up construction, uh, mainly, uh, you know, in the multifamily space. Um, you know, our loan sizing is, 
you know, we go anywhere as low as about 5 million bucks uh, up to about uh, 200 million. Uh, we're actually just uh, going to be closing on a $207 million loan um, pretty, pretty soon. Um, so pretty, pretty wide range. Um, but we also, you know, do, uh, you know, we do bridge for office and for uh, retail. Obviously, it's not as much of our, you know, our bread and butter uh, so to speak, sure. um, you know, in terms of apartments. Um, and the reason why we feel really comfortable in that space is because, um, you know, our uh, CEO, our co-founder, um, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Paul Romanian, uh, he, he is, uh, uh, comes from a multi-generational uh, uh, construction development uh, family yep. Uh, yep. In, 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 in apartments. And so, they obviously come with a lot of expertise. Um, and then also we have a hundred percent in-house uh, construction staff that actually uh, does all the work from the uh, cost estimation um, all the way to the actual draws themselves and, you know, on the monthly basis. So they do all the site inspections and everything. So we have all the architects, engineers and everybody, they're all in-house and we all work off of our uh, own budget instead of the borrower's budget. So it's, it's fairly unique um, in the way that, you know, Parkview approaches things, but you know, it's uh, basically, uh, you know, our uh, we were our first trustee uh, lender. Uh, we're you know, obviously um, variable rate, um, so no amortization. Loan terms are about uh, you know a year to three years to cover uh, construction, yep. and um, uh, you know our rates are fairly high. You know, about uh, eight and a half to twelve percent. Uh, you know, depending upon the location and. Uh, the market and the property um and um and you know our cost basis which we're very much um we're very much focused on yeah so yeah 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 so so ted what's interesting about that is you said you know our, you know rates are very high <laughs> usually companies don't go you know saying that i'm i'm you know curious is that is that because of the type of risk that you you guys usually underwrite um uh you know so, source source of your you know funds uh maybe all all of the above right I think it's all of the above. I think it's all of the above. I mean, you know, the thing is, like, you know, it's not as if, you know, we're going to be the uh, uh, the first lender uh, to call, right? I mean, we're going to be the ones that uh, are going to be able to solve a lot of the uh, developer, uh, you know, sponsors' um, issues uh, that they've run into, whether that's, you know, a lack of um, uh, liquidity, you know, capital into the, um, you know, into the land, or they spent a bunch of money entitling the land. And so, you know, now they're coming to us to, you know, help, um, you know, with the value or revaluation of that land now that it's fully entitled and, and permit ready for construction. So, you know, there's a lot of other lenders that are not going to give that kind of credit, but because right. we're so small, I mean, we're only 30 people okay. and, um, you know, uh, but we do have a nationwide platform. Um, so, you know, we yeah, have, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. Where, where do you guys play? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're 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 all over the place, and and you know, we started off in Southern California, but we've really expanded, um, you know, over the past uh, you know several years. Um, I mean, the fund that we have right now uh, was you know established in 2015, and the company itself was established in um, 2009. So um, we've gone through a a, a huge expansion, um, uh, starting in Southern California, and now. Uh, to the point that, you know, our biggest loans are on the East Coast. Uh, and that's the reason okay. why we actually um, opened up a New York office um, just just this year. Got it. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yep. 
So one of the things that, you know, when we started this podcast, we were kind of focused on, you know, COVID and the impact of the global pandemic on the business and, you know, certain aspects of the of the industry. But, you know, it seems like we're a little bit kind of beyond that and trying to settle into a into a new normal. Um, as you kind of look at, you know, here we are talking kind of, you know, at the end of April here in 2022, um, as you sort of look at the landscape of the industry, what what are some of the things that are, you know, interesting to you that are kind of indicative of where the market is today? Yeah, I mean, I really, I mean, honestly, it's it's interesting that you say that because, you know, everyone seems to think that like uh, now that COVID's over and you know everyone's taking off their masks, it's just like you know back to normal. Um, right. But right. <laughs> you know, yeah, we're we're not. I'm not. I don't know if I can subscribe to that completely, <laughs> uh, because you know, I I just definitely think there's been some you know, uh, effects from the COVID, uh, period. I mean, it's been over two years, right. And, you know, I, I just don't think that, you know, it's just been, it's just gonna, you know, once everyone is like, or uh, enough people are vaccinated, you know, where people feel safe to go back to the office, then that means that there's just going to be, you know, droves of people coming back in the office. I, I, I think actually, you know, one of the things, this is more of an anecdote, but like, um, you know, I've been having some, uh, you know, we're trying to hire as many people as possible since we're growing so quickly. And uh, it, we're having like, a, you know, frankly, we're having a hard time. Um, and the, part of the reason is because the people that, you know, we're interviewing, um, you know, through these recruiters, they're basically coming back to us and saying, well, you know, what's your hybrid model? And uh, I'm, I'm not used to that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, used to, I'm used to showing up in the office every day. Right. Um, so, you know, it, it is one of those things where I think like, uh, you know, the commercial space and, you know, office um, is not necessarily going to, you know, get back to just, you know, 100 percent occupancy, uh, you know, anytime soon. I think, uh, you know, you're going to really have to think about, you know, providing some sort of hybrid model um, for a lot of people um, that, you know, may be somewhat sensitive, uh, you know, to any sort of like uh uh, new variant, you sure. know, that might yep. come out. Yep. Um, and, but, but, you know, the, but the thing is though, like, uh, you know, 2022, uh, it's, it's been nice because, you know, I, I think we're definitely seeing, um, you know, a, a nice stabilization, um, in the markets, uh, when it comes to multifamily, um, and, um, uh, and industrial for sure. I mean, those are definitely our two go-to, you know, uh, property types. And, um, you know, we feel really, well positioned um, for the rest of the year um, going into the years going forward, because, you know, there's always there's always going to be need for, you know, a place to live. And and, uh, you know, uh, we're seeing all throughout the country, you know, year over year rent growth, um, you know, in the 10 plus percent. And, um, you know, right now, like if you actually go look at Yardi, um, you know, Yardi's uh, report uh, that they just came out with, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. I mean, you know, a lot of these um, uh, locations are in uh, Florida, which yeah. just kind of like tells you a little bit about the movement of people. And basically, like during this whole COVID, uh, you know, period, a lot of people have moved from these, you know, big major gateway, you know, cities like San Francisco and New York City and, you know, moved down to more of these secondary markets. And, you know, uh, there's there's parts in Florida that you're seeing, you know, 40 plus percent, you know, increases in rents. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, so that's right. It, yeah, it's just been it's just been amazing, you know, how much, 
you know, growth there's been. And, and I think this all kind of lends itself to this whole idea of like, you know, lack of supply and, and the fact that there's just, you know, there's just not enough housing around <laughs> yeah. uh, for, for, for people. And, and, uh, and what I also found really interesting too here when, when I looked at the numbers was that, um, you know, even the gateway cities, even these cities that a lot of people, you know, there was a net out migration um, are coming back to pre-pandemic levels, meaning that, you know, rents are actually surpassing um, rents before this all happened. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And what, what we've also noticed now, we're, you know, primarily focused on the on the West Coast, but just from our conversations with folks like you, we have noticed that, you know, the Southeast, uh, some Southern states, obviously, like, you know, Texas, Arizona, right? Um, have done tremendously well on the on the transactional side. We you know we have seen a lot of sales kind of occur in the in the in the multifamily space, which you know gives us a sense that and and those sort of per unit numbers have been creeping up again, right, to sort of twenty nineteen levels and yep. and you know higher. Um, as you kind of canvass the country and look at all the sort of areas where the activity is, are, are you noticing any any sort of trends? I mean, other than what you just you know talked about, you know, Florida and the, you know, you know, Southeast in general, are there certain markets that you see pop yeah. up that maybe are you know, you know, you're kind of curious that you know stuff's going on there? No, definitely, definitely. I mean, like you know, everyone's always talking about the Sun Belt, and so. You know, obviously, like we're we're following that um, as well, that trend as well. Um, meaning that uh, you know we've spent a lot of time, <clears throat> you know, in the in Texas, um, you know, in Austin, and um, uh, even you know parts of uh, Dallas, um, and we've even gone back into uh, Houston. So, you know, what we've noticed is you know on a, on a national level that you know a lot of this stuff that happened you know during COVID, uh, you know, people are staying. Uh, where they are. And, and this kind of goes back to my uh, comment before about, you know, remote work or a hybrid, you know, model is that, uh, you know, these people are actually, you know, staying in these places and, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's to just find a better cost of living yeah. to be honest. And, uh, you know, you think about places where we live, right. And in, in LA, um, it's just, uh, it's really tough for a lot of people to go, you know, even with wage growth and unemployment being so low, I mean, they just they still can't keep up. Um, and I think it's it's really just an example of uh, two things. One is that, uh, you know, you have rising interest rates. And so, you know, it's not like you can go out and uh, buy a home because there's really no supply there. And so, you know, those values keep on going up and then your cost of, you know, uh, financing it keeps on going up. So then you try to go to you know, find an apartment and then those rents keep on going up. So it's right, really, right. it's really tough. It's really tough to find like, you know, um, yeah, a solution. And so, you know, that's why, you know, some of the trends that we've looked at, uh, you know, one of them in particular was, you know, hotel conversions, uh, you know, where they basically, you know, they're looking at, uh, you know, existing, um, buildings and trying yep. to figure out a better way to use them. Um, and so this adaptive or readaptive, you know, this uh, adaptive reuse um, has has come in really, really uh, handy, especially during these, you know, really high growth rent, you know, periods. And and that's part of actually the reason why we, you know, we were very bullish on it, um, on this, you know, on this uh, space, because uh, especially in secondary markets, too, like, and, and that's what's really interesting is that, you know, you, you know, you don't think that like a hundred or two hundred dollars makes a lot of difference, you know, as as a as a renter, especially if you're living in these, you know, um, really high high rent uh, locations, locales like like Los Angeles. But 
you know, we've looked at places that, you know, like Colorado Springs, I think is a good example where, you know, you're, you're seeing like, uh, uh, rents just, uh, creep up. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a secondary market, but it's almost like a knockoff effect from Denver because right, so many people right. are moving there that, uh, you know, you're just seeing like, you know, these incremental, uh, you know, increases to rents and, um, you know, it's going, let's say, I don't know, studios, like, uh, you get something for, I don't know, uh, $800, $900 or something like that. And then now it's $1,200, $1,300. Well, that's actually a pretty big, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a big burden, uh, yes. you know, for somebody right. that's, right. you know, more in, in the, yeah. So more of that workforce housing, it, 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 it really, it's very meaningful. So, you know, what we found is like with hotel conversions, like they're, they're able to keep that, um, per unit, um, rent really low. Um, so, you know, when they're doing these conversions, it's really, you know, allowing, um, uh, renters, uh, an alternative, uh, to more traditional, uh, apartments, yeah. you know, ground up construction apartments, because, I mean, let's be frank. I mean, like, you know, all this, uh, you know, supply chain issues and inflation and all that stuff. I mean, it's really, uh, you know, it's really raising the, the cost of construction. Right. Yes. And, and, and that's another thing that I'll, that I'll sort of, you know, follow up on here, here in a few minutes, but I do want to stick, uh, you know, around a little bit, uh, you know, around this hotel conversion topic that you, that you, that you just brought up, because I think it is, it is kind of interesting. Are, are you noticing this in, in certain parts of the country? Because I've noticed also, you know, you know, again, our, you know, our, our, our perspective is, primarily focused on the West Coast. So on the West Coast, the hotel market has actually rebounded quite well. I'm, I'm not sure I've seen a lot of these things happen, you know, between Seattle and San Diego, but I'm curious, are there, you know, you mentioned some markets in, you know, Colorado. Are there other markets like that where these types of deals pencil out better and make more sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, I, I think it really does uh, focus on this affordability issue and this workforce housing. So, you know, when you're going to locations, like another location that I'm thinking of is, uh, Kissimmee, uh, I don't, hopefully I'm saying that right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you are. Uh, my, my wife's okay. from Florida. So yes, this is, <laughs> Florida. this is the right way to say it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that, you know, the, there are these locations that, you know, are, are very much like destination locations that like, you know, fairly close to, you know, amusement uh, centers where like, sure. uh, you know, you're going to need that, uh, you know, that those support staff, like, you know, that blue collar worker, you know, who's coming, you know, and, and tr is trying to, you know, work on an hourly wage. And it's just, you know, it's really difficult for them to be able to make those rents, uh, to be frank. And so like, you know, they have to uh, find other means. And so, you know, what, what better way to, you know, uh, kind of cater to that group than to, uh, you know, have a hotel that already has all that, you know, built in amenities, um, you know, in terms of like, you know, pools and stuff like, you know, gyms and stuff like that, but be able to do it at a really, really low cost. And then that in turn just flows to the renter. Yeah. Um, yeah. so, so yeah, we, we, we've noticed that like, you know, and also too, it's like, you know, location, just like any other real estate is really important. So we've seen, um, you know, projects go up in uh, New York City um, that we're, uh, we're looking at right now that, you know, the location itself is just tremendous, you know, right next to uh, uh, Central Park. But I mean, you know, good, good luck trying to find like a, 
you know, like a studio for less than, you know, three, four thousand dollars. Right. Right. So, so, you know, you find one of these, um, uh, you know, shuttered uh, hotels that, you know, suffered really greatly from, you know, during the whole COVID. Um, and um, and uh, now you can convert it and, and have a better use as a, as a multifamily. Yep. Um, and now you can, you know, be able to provide renters, uh, you know, rents that are, you know, not, let's say 2,500, you know, bucks uh, for, you know, even less 2000. And, uh, and, and yet you still are able to retain like a great location. So, I mean, we, we've seen it like, you know, both in big and small. Um, and it's been, it's been, I think it's a trend that's, uh, you know, going to really take off. Are you noticing any specific aspects of either the physical aspects of a certain property or, certain aspects of how this deal comes together that makes it more likely to be successful? You know, in other words, what is the anatomy of like a really good deal in this yeah. in this conversion space, right? Yeah, yeah. I would say, I mean, definitely, um, probably those really big, you know, 5,000, you know, 10,000, like these, you know, enormous uh, Las Vegas strip type of uh, hotels um, probably don't make too much sense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because, you know, you, you don't want somebody having to walk down a hallway, you know, a long hallway just to get to their apartment unit. Um, so what we noticed was that, um, you know, the challenges and opportunities that we uh, that people are taking advantage of are, uh, you know, smaller uh, hotels in which they can easily convert, uh, you know, to almost like a condo style um, apartment. And what I mean by that is access. So you know, being able to, you know, park your car right outside of the building and not, like I said, have to go up, you know, 20 stories and down a long hallway to get to your unit. Right. right so, right. Yeah. Something that's more kind of, you know, maybe take a couple of st uh, stairs to your, to your unit and then, you know, be able to have quick access, you know, directly from where you're, you know, you're parking your car. So, you know, we noticed that like ones that have, you know, really, you know, nice and, and, you know, open uh, parking spaces and, and accessibility uh, is, is a really, uh, you know, uh, a really big plus. And on the financing side, what are typically these, these deals? I mean, maybe there isn't a typical deal, but if you could, you know, round off a range in terms of, you know, what they cost or what they're looking to, you know, borrow to make this happen. Where, where, where are those figures? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, just like all the other, uh, we, we definitely look at this um, like all the other, you know, construction loans that we do, um, you know, in terms of, of our leverage and our debt yield. So, I mean, definitely we don't want to go beyond the 65% uh, uh, loan to value yep. or, uh, but we are, you know, willing to go up, um, you know, um, on the uh, on the cost side. So, you know, it's um, uh, we, we were happy to, uh, you know, go up to 75 percent. Um, and a lot of this stuff is, is again, based on this whole idea of uh, acquisition costs. And so, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, when people go in, when borrowers go in and, and purchase a hotel, it's it's not uh, sometimes it's not the cheapest thing, you know, because yep. the land yep. land a little bit expensive but you know you, you have to think though about the the uh, construction costs and so that's why it's almost you almost kind of think of it uh, as as a as a bridge deal because 
you know, they're really just taking already uh, like units and then trying to uh, basically, you know, re uh, renovate them into uh, into apartments. So, you know, for us, um, yeah, we like to stay uh, in the same sort of ranges as we do for any other, um, you know, apartment project that we uh, that we finance. Yeah. Do uh, things like this make you, you know, think about new products you guys could offer? I mean, you talked about the, you know, family that has started the business has been sort of, you know, for a very long time engaged in the, in the you know, housing and multifamily space, right? Um, but does this help you then think about other sort of, you know, trends and other kind of, you know, maybe even products that you guys could potentially offer? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, um, it seems to be an ongoing conversation about this lack of supply and not just like on the, on the housing side, but I'm talking about, you know, apartments. And, um, and so, you know, one of the things that people are doing is this hotel conversion, but we also notice that people are, are doing um, even, you know, micro units on the, um, on the apartment side. So um, instead of having your traditional, you know, one, one bedroom, two bedroom apartment, uh, we're noticing um, a trend towards co-living. Yep. And yeah, and so so that's a, a, a very interesting space um, that we've looked at pretty deeply. It's fairly new, but you know, essentially what they're doing is they're taking you know really big units like uh, three bedroom units that might not be working you know well in you know major uh, uh, major cities, um, you know, because it's more kind of catered to uh, younger single people. And uh, they're converting them into these co-living uh, spaces where, you know, they're renting it out by the room um, instead of by the unit. Right, right. Um, and so, uh, again, it's it's a way to be able to solve the supportability problem in which, like, you're not having to spend, uh, you know, these really high rents, but you're really just spending it on your, your room. And then you're sharing, uh, you know, a fairly large kitchen space and but and 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 actually, they have something called in-suite uh, bathrooms. So the, the bathrooms are actually within the room itself. So it creates a, a a certain level of privacy, but it does it at a really really affordable price. So Interesting. yeah, yeah, yeah. We've 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 noticed that there's uh you know a, a lot of interest in in that space. Yeah, on the construction side, I mean, you guys obviously deal with it on the you know financing side of things, but construction costs have been you know, continuously going up. I feel like, you know, when I was talking to folks, you know, early 2020, you know, folks were looking at kind of, you know, a construction, uh, you know, you know, discount because nobody was going to be, you know, busy for a while, but I don't think that ever came. And I think the construction industry has, uh, you know, you know, been increasing their, you know, prices ever, ever since. And, and not yeah. to put the entire blame on them, obviously we've had issues with, <laughs> with, you know, supply chain and things like that. Um, yeah. but I'm curious, you know, are, are, are you noticing this leveling off at any point? Um, are, are you noticing some of the challenges that have been associated with, you know, increased construction costs, uh, you know, uh, you know, starting I, to scale down a little bit, right? I, yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, delays to construction. Um, it, because honestly, I mean, it's one of those things where you've got to put the deposit down almost like a year in advance, uh, you know, to be able to get your, your materials in on time to be able to finish, you know, to stay, uh, to stay on schedule. Um, so I, that, that's the thing that I think I noticed the most, not necessarily like, I think in inflation, we might be at an inflection point, um, you know, in terms of just, 
um, you know, seeing that inflate. I mean, obviously, a lot of this has to do with uh, the Fed um, trying to tamp it down and, you know, gas prices and what's happening in Ukraine. But, you know, what we notice is that, uh, yeah, there, there's this um, definitely a delay to to projects getting completed. Yeah. And, um, you know, things like stored materials where, you know, people are having to put, you know, up, you know, 25, 50 percent deposits, you know, just to secure, you know, their material to be able to, you know, come on site. Right. Uh, as has been uh, pretty, pretty incredible. So I think that that's the thing that I've noticed the most, um, and not necessarily like, you know, inflation and costs going up because, you know, uh, you know, like I said, I think we're at an inflection point. Uh, we, we haven't noticed it just lately. Uh, where things have just, you know, been uh, creeping up, 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 like, you know, lumber, we've actually seen the opposite. Um, so um, perhaps, um, you know, we're, we're at that point where things are going to get a little bit easier uh, to move things around and, um, and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, bring that, bring that price of uh, the cost, uh, you know, down uh, for construction. I think those sound like golden words to any developer at this point in time. Yeah. Uh, if if that if that comes comes to be now, you talked a little bit about some of the challenges with with you know hiring people. Your organization, I know, in in construction, labor was an issue even even before COVID. I think it it continues to um, you know be an issue today as well with just you know companies not being able to find people. Yeah. Is that still uh, as prevalent as it has been for the last, you know, 18, 24 months? Yeah, no, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I almost feel like we're all trying to, you know, get quality people in. And it's, it's it, yeah, it is really difficult. So, I mean, what, what we've done is, you know, we've just, you know, had an uh, outreach program where we're literally, you know, just trying to tap into, you know, all the alumni networks that we have, uh, you know, in-house. And so, you know, locally, we try to reach out to um, all the, the, the bigger universities like, you know, UCLA and uh, US, uh, USC and, and uh, uh, even on the East Coast, since we open up that office, uh, you know, we're looking at NYU and just places that have like really good um, you know, real estate programs, um, you know, to be able to recruit for, you know, these analyst positions, because, you know, it, it's, 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 it's tough to be able to find, uh, people with, uh, a lot of, uh, experience because they're, they're, they're in really high demand right now. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. We just, we just feel like, uh, you know, it, it, it would be best, uh, you know, because, you know, we don't, we do have such a strong culture here that, you know, we like to be able to grow, uh, within, and uh, if we can get people, uh, you know, maybe with a, a year or two, you know, of experience, you know, we can be able to kind of, uh, you know, take them through this whole process of becoming um, an underwriter that really focuses on the way that we do it. Because, you know, I think each lender does it like differently. Um, and I think uh, that, you know, us being in construction lending, a lot of it uh, has to do with, uh, you know, finding solutions for borrowers. Sure. Um, you know, that's really our mantra. And, um, you know, that takes a lot of time to get to, you know, to get the feel for. Um, and, um, you know, we're, we're always, 
really trying to, uh, you know, strive to be the best. And, and when you're trying to recruit the best, um, you know, like I said, it's, um, it, it's, 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 uh, it's a frenzy out there right now. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Ted, I think, um, I, you know, I'm sorry, I wasn't clear in my earlier question, but I, I, you know, was also curious what's happening on the construction side, right? Like, are, are you noticing that as a challenge for construction companies in terms of, you know, labor and hiring, um, and how does that play into, you know, what, what you guys are seeing? Uh, I, I don't, I haven't seen, um, real undersupply and, and, and on the construction. I mean, you know, when it comes to labor, um, I, yeah, I, I really haven't seen that so much. I mean, I think the, 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 the one thing that I have seen was on the material side more so is that, uh, you know, we've definitely seen seen uh you know materials go up in price uh, considerably uh but in terms of labor um i mean just like everything else i mean i mean let's just face it i mean the labor market is is extremely tight sure and, and so when you're you know when you're going out there and trying to hire people uh perhaps like you know there's still a, a good supply of people to be able to you know pull from from that pool but it might cost you a little bit more uh, now than it than maybe it did before when the you know labor market wasn't so tight. So right, right. all I think all this stuff kind of lends itself, like I said, to this bottom line of just you know increased you know cost to construct you know these ground up uh, projects and 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 you know this actually kind of you know goes back to what we were saying about this whole idea of conversion or conversion of hotels existing hotels because you know, the, the cost is already built in, right? I mean, you're only just going in there and having to, you know, pull out the walls, pull out the, the carpet and, and uh, you know, just put in, uh, you know, new appliances and, and new flooring and, and uh, plumbing. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you can save quite a bit um, both on labor and material and, and not just save on, on that side, but also save on uh, the speed of execution, meaning like actually bringing that to uh, to market, uh, is definitely accelerating, you know, versus ground up construction. Yeah. Given if we can shift sort of, you know, gears here, you know, a little bit, given everything that you're seeing, kind of what's happening in the, in the market and sort of your, your sense of, you know, things, um, what, what, what are you seeing kind of in the next, you know, 24 or 36 months that you think is going to, you know, really shape the industry? I think people just got too used to uh, these this easy money, low interest rate <laughs> right. policy, right. um, and that's been. I'm, going I'm not surprised to hear that from a lending guy. So, <laughs> just yeah, just, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. We, I mean, I, I just think you know people are going to have to you know capitulate. I mean, I mean, we we definitely are in you know that that time, and I think people are just too used to like uh, just uh, too much liquidity, too much. Too much capital out there, honestly, and um, and and low rates, and so you know, uh, I think a lot of people maybe got a little bit too uh, ahead of themselves, um, you know, on cap rates, um, and and just gotten so used to transacting on really low cap rates, and so you know, it's really tough to uh, you know be able to uh, make an argument uh, when like a ten-year you know treasury. I think it was like. Got where uh, maybe it's like 290 or so, um, but you know we could easily see that uh, you know ratchet up to uh, you know four or five percent. Oh wow! Uh, you know, okay. Yeah, 
yeah, by the end of the year. Um, and so, you know, the, the, the Fed, I think, is really uh, trying to, um, you know, trying to tackle this this inflation um, problem. And um, and and, you know, they're going to do it by raising rents or uh, raising rates. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, and uh, yeah, I, I think that's going to have like a really big impact, you know, on the real estate market, um, not just, you know, in terms of acquisition, but also refinances um, because yeah. yeah, it's just, it's just gonna, it's just gonna cost more. Everything's going to cost more. And so, you know, you're going to just see probably fewer transactions being completed. Um, and so, you know, that, that, uh, you know, I, I think it goes back to this idea of uh, risk-free rate, right? So if the risk-free rate of like, let's say a 10 year treasury yield is um, I don't know, just pick a number like 5%, uh, then, you know, it's really hard to have somebody go out there and make it pencil out and use a cap rate, you know, of four and a half percent, right. Um, on a, on an acquisition. So, you know, there's gotta be some sort of, you know, uh, risk premium, you know, associated with these, uh, with these, uh, uh, these new projects or these acquisitions that I think people just got uh, maybe a little bit too used to and thought that, oh, well, I'll just, you know, get myself out, you know, by just, you know, keep on increasing NOI by raising rents. And I think this goes back to what, you know, uh, we were talking about before is that, sure, you know, uh, there are markets that are, you know, 20, 30, 40%, but is that really sustainable? Um, So that's how I think some people think that they can, you know, generate, you know, more value is just by always, you know, proforming like this, this, uh, you know, uh, increasing income and increasing NOI and therefore, you know, yeah, sure. It's maybe a, you know, three, three and a half percent, you know, uh, capitalization rate on today's, uh, NOI, but Hey, you know, like a year or two or three from now, it's going to be, you know, 30, 40, 50% higher, you know, just because I can, you know, charge more in rents. And we're not sure if that's necessarily going to be the case, uh, you know, long-term. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to close my interviews usually by kind of asking, uh, you know, the people I talk to about some, you know, you know, personal anecdotes and, you know, things that you sort of wish you knew when you were starting out in this business. Um, is there anything like that that you can share to, you know, any kind of, you know, young, aspiring, you know, credit person like like yourself? Yeah, I, I would definitely, uh, you got to think of the uh, the long game. <laughs> um, I think too many times, um, you know, real estate is a very, very slow business. And, uh, you know, these cycles take a really long time, uh, you know, 10, you know, 10 plus years uh, for a cycle to go, you know, from top to bottom. And I think it's one of those things where, you know, you really got to be passionate about real estate and just know that experience um, really just, you know, trumps like, oh, just being smart. Right. Um, and it's one of those things that, uh, you know, if you can, uh, have a chance to be able to go through one or two cycles and really understand like the ebb and flow of, uh, you know, uh, valuations on real estate, um, especially, especially when, you know, things get overbuilt. Um, I think that that's something that you you really need to keep in mind as a young person is that, you know, if you think that you're just, you know, going to just kill it, right, Um, coming out of like a a great uh, graduate, you know, um, program, 
um, in the first couple of years, um, um, uh, you're going to be facing a fairly rude awakening. So I, I, I definitely think that, uh, you know, when you're thinking about going into this um, uh, industry that, you know, you really got to be in it for the long run. Um, so I've noticed that there's been a lot of attrition um, where, you know, if they're kind of going from some other um, uh, financial institution where, oh, I want to be a fund manager within like two to five years or something like that. Like, that's not very realistic in real estate, especially right. on the especially on the finance debt side. Yeah, yeah. On the flip side, however, the rewards can be very nice as well, right? So if you're if you're willing to sort of sit it out, things work out really well. Exactly, right? Yeah, and and that's that's why you know it's it's you know you got to it, it it is part of winnowing down, right? So uh, you, you might get some people that are really interested, you know, on the finance side, but if you stick with it, um, yeah, I mean, it definitely pays off in the long run uh, because, like I said, experience counts. And so people are going to pay up for that type of experience. Yeah. Well, Ted, um, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. I really appreciate it. Um, enjoy the rest of your weekend and sure. uh, look forward to speaking with you soon. Thanks, Vlad. Thank you for listening to the Real Perspectives podcast. Stories like these help us shape our understanding of the industry, and we appreciate you taking the time to listen to it. Please follow us on any app where you get your podcasts and tell your colleagues about us. Thank you in helping us spread the word about our work and the industry that is changing the face of business. Mm-hmm.